0: Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. How many of you guys missed last week's message? It's okay to say you were out of town having fun, I understand. <laughs> All right, so so for those of you who missed last week's message some of what I say might be a little bit confusing. So please take some some time this this coming week. And because I'm going to be literally just, this is like part two of Sean's message. So you've missed an entire part one, and I'm not going to re-preach it. So you're welcome. Um, but we're, he was talking last week about... Like, we're, we're still in the all-sufficiency of the cross. And last week, he had really felt it was really important, especially in light of some of the um, current events that are happening right now in our culture in the Christian community, where, um, where women have been become, again, a question of should they be in leadership? Should they have a role in preaching? Can they preach to men? Um, Obviously, I'm standing up here, so we have a specific view of what that looks like. And um, last week, Sean walked us through kind of what that looks like, but he didn't do an expansive thing. On my slide two, I have a pop-up, the slide two. If you guys want, like last week, um, it's coming, it's coming. All right, last week, he preached, and it's called Redeemed from the Rule of Man, so go back and listen to that. And it's a small, it's not going to be, this is not every single scripture in the New Testament that talks about women. Um, that, this last one was really just talking about Genesis and how, how Adam, Jesus came as the second Adam. And when Jesus justified us, he made it just as if we aren't we have never sinned. And so God is not continuing to punish us for a sin that was committed by Eve. Because Jesus came, he died, and he rose again for us, setting us free from that, right? So that was his message last week. If you are curious about like almost every single time where women are talked about in the New Testament, um, where it gives what looks like restrictions or not, he has a series from 2018 called Women. And he goes through in great detail those different scriptures. So take some time and research that if you're curious about it, if you have questions. I'm not going to re-preach his message, so I'm not going to relay his foundation from last week. Um, but I am standing in front of you teaching, so, <laughs> so you can kind of know that that's where, that's where we, we stand on it, is that we do believe that women have been set free from that curse. The curse out of Genesis 3.16 where it says, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you, is one of the things that happened when, when Eve sinned in the garden. One of the things that happened was, if you remember, just to kind of lay a tiny bit of foundation for everything I have to say, Eve was in the garden. She was given co-leadership with her husband to rule and reign. And part of that, what happened then, is she meets the serpent in the garden, and the serpent begins to talk to her, and he convinces her to go outside. If you're in partnership with somebody, we're not making massive decisions that are going to change an entire world by ourselves. We go to our partner, and we talk to our partner about decisions. If I suddenly decided to sell our house, Sean comes home, and I'm like, hey, I I sold the house today. Like, just, just to let you know. Or, hey, I just accepted a job in New York. I'll be leaving next week. Like, these kinds of decisions, we need to go to our partner and to say, hey, partner, I have this opportunity for a job. I don't have a partner. I would never move to New York, just so you know, unless Jesus, like, stamped it on my forehead. Um, but in general, like, like, we don't make those decisions Lightly, We don't just choose to do something because we're convinced of it. If we are in a good partnership, we actually are going to the other person and we're saying, hey, what do you think? There's, so, there's a dialogue there. There's, there's a place where we give and we take in submission, in relationship, in communion together, and we discuss and we deliberate and we process, right? That's what, that's what co-leadership looks like. That's what partnership looks like. Eve usurped that. She was having a conversation with some weird, non-earthly being and serpent that was talking. It was weird to her and it, was, it would be weird to us, all right? And she's having this conversation and she's convinced that what she's doing is the thing that she should do and without going to her partner and saying, hey, what do you think? She just decides to do something that she knows is wrong, She knows that she had had a boundary set by God. And she crossed the line and stepped into it and usurped her husband's authority. And so what happens then, the rollout of it, is God comes and he says, okay, so because I had created you equal and you decided to usurp your husband's authority, I'm now going to take him and I'm going to have him rule over you. So she was brought low, right? It's, it's one of those things. This is exactly what happened to Satan. Satan says he was never above God, but Satan says, I want to be like God and tried to usurp God and his authority. And so God brought him low by putting him on the earth for us to trample on and to rule over. The same thing happened to the woman where she listened to him. He tempted her with the same temptation he, he himself had. And he took everything in him that wanted to be like God, and he convinced her that she should be like that too. But what she didn't realize was that God had already made her in his image. She didn't need to be more like him. She was already like him in purity, right? And the moment she stepped into the temptation and usurped her husband's authority, she fell out of purity and into sin and compromise. And so God then took her, and as a discipline, he put her under and in subjection under her husband, right? Okay, so fast forward thousands of years to Jesus, right? And that's where Sean read out of, um, out of Romans. I'm not going to, it's not up on the screen, but I'm just going to read it really quick because it's a great scripture verse. Actually, I think I'm reading a different verse. Paul, I think it's Paul who wrote Romans reiterated himself multiple times in, in like five verses, the same point. He made the point over and over and over again. Romans 5.18 says, in other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus's sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to all. Verse 19, one, man, one man's disobedience open the door for all humanity to become sinners. So also one man's obedience, open the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to him. It's such a good word, right? But we've been redeemed from the curse. Okay, if we are in Christ, we've been redeemed. And last week, Sean talked about how God has called us to reign side by side. And when he was finishing up, he was, he was talking, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, you've got to show them that they, they actually have more freedom than that. Women, you have more freedom than that, because the curse was also broken over your desire for your husband. What does that mean? That word desire, for those of you who weren't here last week, it means to run over your husband. There's something inside of us that knew when we didn't know Christ, there was something inside of us that knew that we were supposed to co-reign, and so we were trying to get to it. You know, and we see it in, in like, let's like, pick on the women's liberation movement. It started out to liberate women from the rule of men, and it wasn't necessarily bad. I have not researched the very, very roots of it, but a lot of the roots of it were simply just this. They wanted to pull themselves up to become equals. But because we have sin in us, people in the world who don't know Jesus, they are, they are still in sin, right? We don't expect them to be perfect. We don't expect them to be saints, right? Because they're sinners. In them was the corruption of man, and they were still, women were still vying for authority. And so what happens has been this tension between genders. Men and women have been vying for authority. You know, how many of us have grown up and we've heard the phrases of, oh, I know who wears the pants in your family talking to a man immediately saying if your house isn't in order and you're not here above your woman she wears the pants in the family and it's a negative thing right you know and how many of us women go oh i know that my husband's the head of the house but i'm the neck that turns the head that's sick that is that is manipulation and a twisting of a lie, and it shows, a, it's, a, it's a vie for control that's deep inside of us. And so what happens then over the years, and we have all seen it, like we have, Sean and I have spent, um, I was counting up the other day, I think between 18 and 20 years doing pastor uh, marriage counseling with people. We've been married 25, and within the first few years we were, we were working with young married people who um, were struggling. And I can't remember a time when this verse wasn't actually what was deeply in the heart of the of the tension between the husband and wife. And I say that because this in us is this in us as women, most of us need to feel heard. And actually all of humanity, we need to feel heard. But because we have been told to be quiet and submissive most of our life, we have and And it's just in culture. It was just in the culture raised that maybe the younger generation aren't hearing that as much as my generation and any generation older than me. You know, but we were raised to be to be quiet and to be like under. Like I was raised. Your husband is the head of your home, and that's true. And, you know, and beyond that, I was told, you know, your job is to go after all of his dreams, and your job is just to be behind him and his support. And it was probably, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, we were actually doing, I was doing a sozo training here with my, with my sozo team. And, um, and in the sozo, we were, it was, they were just having us walk through the different things. And I asked the Lord, I was like, what do you have? Like, what are you showing me right now? And he's, he literally showed me a picture of Sean and I standing back to back like this. And he goes, you have been behind him. He goes, supporting him the entire time. He goes, and it's time for you to come out and to run with him. He was like, he doesn't need you on his, like behind him, protecting him and keeping him up. He needs a partner who's running with him. He was like, and you have to break the cycle. You have to step out and run with him. You know, and I think that that's, there's, there's something is that we have to do that. But here's the thing. Here's my caution. This is what I felt deeply. We hear that and we're like, yeah, let's rise up. And something in us says, now that means that we have to be, we have to force ourselves into a position. I'm going to force myself, I'm going to step into a position, but it hasn't been handed to me yet. And I think that we have to break off the idea of position and we have to go, okay, God, when it, when you say that we're supposed to co-lead, that really means to be a co-servant. Right? Like, because the greatest of these are the ones who serve. Right? And so as we step up into a place, we're not looking for position as co-leaders with our husband. What we're looking for is to be Christ-like. Because once we're Christ-like, our position will be found in him. We have to go after our character. We have to adjust who we are. Men, you have to adjust who you are to allow your, your wife, your women around you, not just your wife, if you're not if you're not married, this is still so important to you. Because as men and women, we fight each other all the time. And it's in our culture. Look at, look at the TV shows. Look at the TV shows. Look at Barbie. Okay? I won't say more than that. But look at the, look at the movie Barbie. Look at our TV shows. Men are incompetent. They might work hard. But they can't run the home. They can't take care of their children. They can't run their finances. They can't even cook lunch without making a big mess. Big mess. Right? That's, what our TV, that's what our culture tells us. Because women are vying for that control. They're saying we've been under long enough and now we're going to be on top. It's not the way of Christ. You know, and so what happens is women feel liberated in a church where we come in and we say, yeah, you should be co-leaders with us. And they go, we want to flip the script. And we can't do that. We can't flip the script because then we're both in sin again, right? We're tensioning back and forth. We have to find the balance where we know where we are. We understand who we are in Christ. We understand our identity and our role. And we begin to co-labor with Christ, with our spouse, with the men around us, like we were called to do. In humility, leaning heavy into grace, not trumpeting with a war cry that says, we're going to take the world, women, but instead coming in and going, God, where do you want me to serve? How do you want me to serve? What part of my character still wants to be heard? I need to be heard. I need to be heard. You know, And this is the problem. When, when we, we need to be heard, we actually stop listening. How many of us have been in a fight with anybody? Don't raise your hand here but you recognize that your point is more important than them. You need to be heard so much that you refuse to listen, right? It's just who we are. Like when we start to, like that's how, that's how we start wars, right? We start this place back and forth, especially in our homes where, where I need to be heard and I'm screaming, hear me, and, and our spouse is on the other side going, but you're not listening. I'm hearing you. But when I'm trying to speak, you're not listening to me either. And so we both shut off, and we have this fight back and forth. And I'm telling you, after 18 to 20 years of marriage counseling, that place of arguing, of I need to have authority, and I need to have authority, she runs over me, or she manipulates and controls me, and he won't give me a voice. It's there. It's always there. It's tension. It's the curse. We've been redeemed from it. We don't have to vie for authority. We don't have to search and strive and try to get authority in our, in our marriage, in our homes, in our workplaces, even if we're working in the world. Because here's the thing, when Jesus was born and he began to grow, the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and favor with God and man. Right? We're supposed to be like Jesus. So we don't, Step into this place where we're like, yeah, we have authority. I'm gonna step into it. I'm gonna take my authority. Because what happens when we take something? We're stealing it. It's not been given to us. It's not my place to take authority. It's my place to go low and to serve and to allow the Lord to come and lift me up. Think about think about Mary. I was actually praying about it and I was like, Lord, like you have you have somebody, like you have an example for this. And I felt like I felt like he brought me to Mary. And I think that, like, I'm not going to compare and contrast Eve's situation to Mary's, but there's stark similarities in their stories if you look at them, but both of them had completely different endings. You know, Eve was, she did talk to the serpent, I don't know, you know, whatever was going on with that, that's weird, but... You know, but beyond, like she did talk to this, to to a serpent. And she was, she recognized that what she was doing was supposed to end in her death. And she chose to go ahead and eat of the fruit that was told not to. Because she was convinced that the serpent was telling her something true. Right? And she did not consult her partner. You have Mary who comes in. Mary is you know, Jesus' mom, right? So this is before she's Jesus' mom. She is somewhere between 13 and 20, probably closer to like 15, 16 years old. And she is, I don't even know what she's doing that day, but all of a sudden there is an angel there and he's visiting her and he's telling her that God is, has found favor in her. And she is terrified of him. And yet he begins to talk to her about what God wants to do. And she recognizes that if she says yes, her life is over. She will be murdered. Her culture is one that if she is found pregnant before she's married and she's only betrothed and Joseph would know that it wasn't his, you know, that that she should be taken out in front of the entire town and stoned to death. Right? So she's faced with a very similar thing. Eve was being faced with the eating a fruit that she was told not to. And I know I said I'm not going to contrast, but I think it's important to see it. And Mary was being told, if you, if you say yes to me here, like if Eve said yes to this serpent, things were going to shift. There was something big that was going to happen. If Mary says yes to the angel, something big was going to happen. Both of their lives might end, Right? Both of them are then convinced that what they're they're supposed to do is say yes, and they step into it. But Eve steps into it without consulting her partner, without getting, getting any help, and she usurps her husband's authority. Mary didn't actually, she wasn't fully married yet. She was still on her own. And so as she said yes to the Lord, she still had the ability to step into it with grace and with submission. And what did she do? She stepped into it and she chose to partner with God, not strive to become more like him. So she partnered in with God and then what happened? She didn't vie for authority. She didn't go and tell Joseph, this is what happened and this is what you're gonna do and this is what you're gonna do and step in or manipulate and control anything. She just let God hold her life in his hands. And every single day she knew while Joseph was trying to determine what is he going to do with his future wife, his, his fiancee who is now pregnant, what is he going to do? She left her life in the hands of the Lord and allowed him to fight for her. And he, she allowed God to lift her up and to and to. Elevate her into co-leadership. She partnered with God to bring to change the world. Her decision to say yes shifted the world, right? Because she partnered with God. She didn't partner with the enemy. And what happened when Eve partnered with the enemy is she kind of became a lot like him. You know, women are considered, some, some women, hopefully not us, are considered crafty manipulative, right, cunning, kind of like just using our femininity to get our way, right? What was a serpent doing? That's, that's how the serpent was described, not using his femininity, but beyond that side. He was crafty and cunning, right? And she became like the one that she chose to serve, Mary became like the one she chose to serve and she partnered with God in a way that transformed the entire world but she didn't seek to elevate herself. She allowed the Holy Spirit and God to come in and to lift her up and bring protection to her to change her husband's perspective and to save her and to hear and her, her husband then became her greatest protector, right? He moved countries for her and her child. It wasn't his child and yet he became her greatest protector because she allowed God to come in and fight her battles for her. You know, as women, I really feel like there's this place where we have to pay, like, take a deep look at ourselves. And I, I, had, this, I had this thought to say, to say this to you because I'm gonna ask you some hard questions, all of us, because men and women both need to really think about where we fall in this place. But I would, I would just say to you, like, pull your toes back so I don't step on them, but open up your hearts to me, okay? because I want you to recognize that my questions can be offensive to people who operate in these, in these things. But it's here because we step into letting God come in and shift us and break some stuff off of us. I had felt like the Lord had said when I was um, processing this message, I'm going to make sure I have my words, my words pretty right, but he had just said that um, if men and women can begin to understand their roles, the way that he's really created us to to co-labor together to co-serve together both of us choosing to die and to go low and to and to honor and respect and to truly value as a true partner that what will happen is our culture will shift and instead of 51% or i think it's i think we have that 50% of our marriages, even in the Christian world, are, are becoming crumbled. Like we are divorcing at, at about the same rate. I think we're like 3% less than the world, to say it like that. So maybe America's at like 53% and we're at like 50. We're divorcing so close to the world. But here's the thing. If we can get a hold of this and we stop fighting and devouring each other in our own homes, what will happen is the world around us is gonna start looking and going wow, you guys, you guys actually like each other. When we come to your home, we've had people step into our home and they just kind of sat there and they're like, your house is so peaceful. You know, and at the time, our big kids were little and there was nothing peaceful about our home because they were literally like, I mean, imagine two Josiahs, you know? Like, yeah, like all the time, you know? And one of them was a girl and she liked to scream really loud, those really loud, high-pitched girl screams that I didn't understand growing up because I had sisters and we didn't need to scream like that. And then I saw why brothers make them scream like that. And, you know, so my home wasn't quiet and it wasn't like my kids were like sitting there reading books and like smiling at each other, you know, like that would be nice, but I didn't really experience that much, you know, but, but she was recognizing something else. There was a, there was no tension in our home. There was not tension in our marriage. There wasn't tension with our kids What would happen if each one of us started to have homes where peace, the peace of God, so filled it because we learned how to co-lead together, co-serve together, co-reign together in a way that we brought peace and stability to our families. The world sees that and the world craves it. They crave it. We've had multiple people tell us, they were like, we would never have gotten married until we saw that you actually have a good relationship. We didn't know that even Christian marriages could be good and happy. I know that I'm not the only one. Like, there's been several of you guys who've been told that. And I, like, we have the ability to shift a culture just because we get this right. Right? Let's get this right. Let's stop fighting and trying to manipulate and control and push the other one down and fight for ourselves. and let's learn to lay ourselves down. Here are some questions. Slide three is the first one. Um, Am I more concerned about my position of equality than I am about my Christ-likeness? I want you to think about that again, like just... Take a minute and just weigh it before the Lord. Ask Him, in my marriage, in my family, in my job, husbands and wives, men, women, all of you, am I more concerned about my position than I am about my Christ likeness? Do I vie for a position of authority or for my name than I am concerned about becoming more like Christ? It's a really important question. The next one is this. Do I tend to fight for my voice to be heard rather than trusting God with my voice and my influence? Do I tend to fight for my voice to be heard rather than trusting God with my voice and my influence? When, when Sean told me he wanted to put the title pastor in front of my name, I told him no. And I was raised traditional Christian. Women weren't pastors. Women didn't preach. You know, and as we have studied into this, there's just been a shift in in what we understand the Lord to say. And, um, and you know, and I I had gotten to a place where my theology aligned with this and my, my heart aligned with it, but the idea of stepping into um, the title was... Scary. And it, it was met with um, personal resistance from, from um, family. And it was also, and, you know, and, and friends that are growing up in the church. Like, so all of a sudden, I'm stepping outside of what some people would say is, is God's place for me. And I also recognized that that would also, to some degree, limit my voice. As a pastor, my voice would be somewhat, because I had the title, I would lose my ability to speak to a lot of men. Because as a woman, I knew and I had learned in the church growing up, I've grown up in the church my whole life, that if I have something to share that has wisdom or direction, if I don't have a title and I just share it as a friend to a friend, they would hear me. But the moment that you put a title in front of my name, they turn off their ears because they're not allowed to learn from a woman. Right? I had to take a minute and to go, okay, if Sean wants to put the title, like Sean had always said, he was like, you're already operating as a pastor. So why would I continue to call you a director of something when you're actually pastoring? He's like, you're actually, like you are leading people to me. You're pastoring them. You know, and so so I had to take a minute and to go, why am I scared to death of this role? Because I knew that my authority was gonna shift. And it came with really great, things because I knew that this is what God was calling me to do, but it also came with a lot of pain, right? There are many people who won't come into our church because I'm a pastor here. You know, (laughs) there are many people who won't hear from me because I have the word title, like the pastor title in front of my name. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. You're what? You know, and, and sometimes they're like, I've never heard of a woman. Like, I've had this so many times. I've never heard of a woman pastor before. That's amazing. And other people, and you see men go, mm, you're one of those. I'm immediately labeled and put into a little box. You know, so my voice, well, here, my voice has grown. In a lot of other contexts, my voice shrank, all because I stepped into something. So stepping into a place of, of authority, a co-leadership, doesn't always look like roses and beauty and sunshine. Often it looks like pain. Often it looks like people looking at you and going, oh, a woman's getting up to speak. I'm leaving. I'm walking out the doors, right? In other places, I've actually seen men turn in their chairs and they refuse to, like, look at her. They won't leave the room because they're making a point that she cannot be speaking to them. They won't learn from her. there's many things that come into co-leading, and even in our homes, the same thing happens. Like I have talked to women who have said, I don't want to be a co-leading with my husband because I want him to be responsible to the Lord and not me. Let me say, if you love your husband and you want to throw him in front of God's judgment and not willing to stand behind him, that's not love. That's not love. You know, and so there have been plenty of men I, that I've talked to who have wanted their wives to step up, and she's like, "Nope, I w- I'm not want to be responsible for the Lord for that." And so she she refuses to step into the place that God has called her because she wants she would rather her husband face the like the decisions that he's making in front of God and her to go, "Oh, that was his job, that was his role." I think she's going to be facing her own right because she was stepping out of what God's called her to do, and on the other side. I know women who have constantly been so afraid of their husband taking authority that they have continued to manipulate and control and to not give him a voice. And the same thing is breaking marriages because you have a, you, and, and most of the time, this is what's really weird about that side, is that most of the time the women are actually really angry that he doesn't just take over and do something, but she won't let him. And so you have this tension where she's like, he won't stand up and be a man. And then every time they come into our counseling session, she's like, and then he did this and he, he made a big mess. And so I told him he could never do that again. And she would take and strip his authority from him. And she holds him under and he's powerless. It's abusive. You know, and you have this place where tension is there and it has to stop. We have to stop devouring each other. I'm going to give you the definition of manipulate. Manipulate means to control or influence a person or situation cleverly or unfairly. It's the exercise of harmful influence over others. It's to manage or use someone. Okay. Some examples are the silent treatment, passive aggression, guilt tripping, Blame shifting, denial, lying. I get mad at you. I won't talk to you until you come. It's the woman who stands in the kitchen slamming pots and pans. And when her husband comes up and says, are you okay? I'm fine. That's manipulation. When he comes up and says, you seem off. Are you okay? Well, you should know. (laughs) What did I do? What did you do wrong the other day? All this, it's manipulation. Manipulation. It's control, right? We have to stop it. We, our, our, we allow our teenage daughters to act like this and, oh, it's just the teenage years. They're just going to be like this. They're just going to be rebellious. No, they're trying, they're striving in the carnal world, in their carnal hearts to find authority and control. And as women in the church, we need to see it and spot it for what it is. And when our daughters are walking in in this rebellious manipulation, we have to step in and say, hey, what are, you, what are you feeling like you're not getting? Is there authority that you're feeling like you need to have that you're not getting? Are you feeling controlled? And how can I help you? We're not going to come in and slice it off. We're going to come in and we're going to go, how do I partner with you to see there's a better way? There's a better way here. Your heart's important to me, but your behavior is also terrifying me because this looks like the enemy. This looks like the devil who's manipulating and controlling people, and that's what you're trying to do here. You're partnering with the wrong God. Right? We have to go after this. Not that men aren't manipulators, they are. We know that. I'm just saying, like, as as a woman, we have to recognize that we have something in us that has to don't turn around. You turn back around. We have to, all of us have to begin to cut this thing off. All right? Okay. This whole using my computer thing is kind of freaking me out here. Okay. The last one is do I manipulate or domineer people to gain control or to stay in control? Do I use the silent treatment? Do I use manipulation tactics? You know, do I dominate and control people to to begin to have this place where I can feel like I'm actually in control and my world isn't spinning out of control? These are important questions to pay attention to because we're called to do something different. It was for freedom, in Galatians 5, it says, it was for freedom the Christ has set us free. We're no longer subject to a yoke of slavery and control, manipulation, vying for control on either side is a form of slavery. It's slavery. We're, we're enslaved to constantly believing that we're never heard, that we're not valued enough, we're not, we're not being listened to. You know. And on both sides of, of the gender roles, right? We have both sides of the genders. You have both of us striving and vying for something that God has already set us free from. And he's called us to co-reign together as kingdom builders, right? We've been set free from this. We don't have to walk in it. But here's the thing. Like Todd had said for a long time, and what we have said is this. There's an invitation to recognize that you've been set free, but then we actually have a responsibility to go after it. That's called the renewing of our mind. We have to begin to go, ooh, I recognize tendencies of manipulation in me. My, my, ability, like my way of getting my spouse to recognize that I'm frustrated is to walk away and not talk to them for four weeks or for a day, right? I recognize now that that's manipulation and I need to go after and root it out of my life. You know, maybe I'm more concerned about a position, even at my work, I'm more concerned about my position than I am about my Christ-likeness. And I need to recognize that I am trying to gain something and take authority when it's not being, being given to me. Does that make sense? And so we need to root that out of my life. Why do I feel the need to grab something that's not being given to me instead of stepping into it and growing in wisdom and favor with man until it's handed to you on a platter? Right? Authority can be taken or authority can be given. If it's taken, you're taking it from, like, away from somebody else and you're robbing it from the person who, who has it. When it's given to you, you can step into it and own it with, with humility and grace. Okay? Okay. I want to I end with this. This is Colossians 3, 12 through 15. And this is to both, this is to every Christian. <coughs> this is to every single Christian. So those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, that's us. Those of us who knows Jesus. Put on a heart of compassion, of kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you should also. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Do you see any place where it says rule over people? Have dominion over each other? Lord, lord over other people and make them do what you want? Control people? It's actually the very opposite of this, and it's to every single Christian. And it says that we should put on a heart of compassion. That means we recognize what other people are going through, and we allow them to go through it. We're allowing them to, with with compassion, like we're, we're not forcing them to shift something, but we instead go, I recognize that you're in this place, and God's working in you, and I have compassion for you, and I'll come alongside, and I'll partner with you, but I'm not dominating over you. You know, I'm... I'm going to walk in kindness. We know what kindness looks like. I'm going to walk in humility and gentleness and patience. This is us not vying for control or position, but instead it's us going low. This is what Sean had said. What makes a really great marriage is when we both recognize that we have to die. And our whole goal is to go, how do I serve my husband and make him great? That's my role. And Sean says, how do I serve my wife and make her great? And together we have to argue about which one we're going to choose to do with that exact moment, <laughs> right? Like you want to go here and do this, and I want to go here and do this. And how are we going to do this together? I want to serve. I, wanna, I want to love you really well, and I want to go after making sure that you know every single moment of every single day that you are loved and cherished, and I'm going to do my half. I'm going to do my whole, like my 100%, right? Everything in me, running after, making sure that my husband knows that he's loved and cared for. And then he does the same thing for me, right? We lay down our lives and we serve each other and we serve our families and we serve our children and we serve our communities like that. And the world's going to notice a difference, you know, because you're not fighting and devouring each other when you're really busy trying to serve them. If you're loving somebody really, really well and you're seeing how you can meet every single need and every single want that they have, you're not really getting frustrated, right, by the little t- tiny nitpicky things, right? And that's what really bothers us is we, we get stuck on the small things, right? How many of us have really big fights over, like, the dishwasher? Who stacks the dishwasher right all right, to end on a funny note, I read a meme the other day that said, out of both of you people in your house, one of you stacks the dishwasher like a rabid raccoon on cocaine and the other one like, a, like, a, like a, something like engineer, you know, and they were like, which one are you? And I, I sent it over to Sean I was like, I'm the rabid raccoon. Like, I cannot stack a dishwasher to save my life. Sean's always like, who did Misty? And I'm like, it's in there. <laughs> And then he goes through and he fixes it. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, we can get really angry about that, or he can be grateful that I'm putting the dishes in the dishwasher, right? And I'm grateful that he redoes them so that he can put 10 more dishes in. <laughs> it feels like manipulation to me. <laughs> All right. Grateful, or else. Who else heard that? Amen. Hey, we're grateful. We're grateful that Eden does the dishes now. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you that you have set us free. Free from the need to find position and to gain control over any situation, the need to control anything at all. But God, that we can rest in you. God, we choose to trust you. We choose to trust you with our position, to trust you with our process. God, and we say yes to our side, God, our, our side is to say we want to renew our mind. And we want to root out all of the old nature things that have died. And we want to be Christ-like because we have been raised with Christ. And we were called to walk like you walked. And so, Jesus, we just say that everything in us, that doesn't look like you that doesn't respond like you, that doesn't lay down our life like you laid down your life. God, we don't want it in us. So Jesus, would you come in and bring healing between our genders, bring, bring, bridge the gap and make our marriages something worth celebrating, something that changes the culture because people begin to see that in Christ, all things truly can be made new. God, that there can be hope for beauty in our relationships, God. Jesus, would you change me? Would you take every single place in me that isn't looking like you? And would you begin to rework it? Would you begin to show me how to renew my mind so that my mind lines up with your mind? So that the thoughts I think look like your thoughts. And the way that I live my life looks like the way that you live your life. Jesus, for any of us who have any place in us that is manipulating or controlling our environment, God, would you show us how to shift? Would you break off the wounds that have created this? And would you begin to just help us to learn how to walk in a new way and give the people around us the grace and the, and the, the mercy to be able to allow us to be, become something different, God, thank you that you have given us freedom to become like you. Yeah, and we thank you, God, that you have pulled us in to be to be co-servants of you, where we get to run together, yeah, and to serve others and each other in a way that just shows up like you, God. Our lives poured out like a love offering, God, for the people around us. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarnsburg.com. We hope to see you soon.